I get excited about this time of year. I like to see the Christmas lights. I like to see the trees. I like to see all of the things that remind us of Christmas. I like to hear the music, wonderful things. I even like to see Santa. By the way, he's visiting with us today. You'll see him out in the atrium if you haven't already. Um, Somebody said, why in the world would you let Santa come? You know, this gives you a good opportunity this morning to teach your kids a little history lesson about St. Nicholas, who was a bishop who lived in the fourth century, who had such a generous heart. And he said to himself, we celebrate Christmas every year, and Christmas is about giving, and it's about the great gift that God gave. But he looked for a way to put that into action And he became a giver, a very generous giver. He would go buy houses when nobody was home, and if the windows were open, he would throw coins inside. And if the windows were closed, he'd climb up on the top of the house. They had flat roofs back in those days, and he'd drop some coins down the chimney. You see where we get a lot of this tradition. And uh, he, he was most noted for a specific gift that he gave. He, he was acquainted with a very poor family, the family that was so poor, in fact, that they had three daughters that could not get an education. And in that day, to get married, you had to have a dowry, and they had no money for a dowry. And so, St. Nicholas literally became, I think, the first person in history to do something about human trafficking. He set up a dowry for those three girls. And because of his giving and his preparation for a family that had no connection to him except the love of Jesus in his heart, he kept three girls from having to live a life of prostitution. And so when I see Santa... And I see the red suit, I think about the blood of Jesus and what it does to change lives. And when I see that white fur around the the waistband and the, the sleeves, I think of the purity that we have when the blood of Jesus washes our sins away. And uh, so it's time to celebrate. And we're celebrating Christmas this morning. And uh, we're also having a Christmas Eve service here, by the way, so I hope you'll come back for that. But it's already been mentioned that uh, comfort and joy has been the theme that we've um, been expressing to you all month long. And so I want to talk to you for just a couple of moments here, and then we're going to have some more music, and then I'm going to come back with the second half of this message. But the first half has to do with comfort. By the way, back in 1833, there was a Christmas carol written that became very popular. We still sing it today. It's called God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. You remember that one? And there's a line in that song that says, Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. You can hear it in your mind, can't you? Right now. And, and so we, we kind of got that comfort and joy together from that. My text today is from Luke chapter 2, and I want to read to you verses 8 to 12. It's not all of the Christmas story, but a little nugget out of the Christmas story. Now that we're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. In those few words, in that little expression by the angels that says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, embodied in that, embedded in that, is the idea of the comfort that it brings when Jesus comes in his marvelous presence. You see, there's another song that we sing this time of year, O Holy Night, maybe maybe the most popular Christmas carol there is, I don't know. But there's a line in that song that says, Long lay the world in sin and era pining. And that was the condition of the world when Jesus came. Dark ages has enveloped the whole of society. And those dark ages had continued so long that the spirit of hopelessness and despair had almost taken over. But in the midst of that hopelessness and despair, God put a new light in the sky. And he brought people together around a manger to celebrate the birth of his son, the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. And oh, what a comfort Jesus brings to all of our hearts. How many of you have experienced that comfort in the presence of the Lord? So I want to look at three things quickly about this comfort. First of all, there is the comfort of his presence. His very presence brings comfort to us. You remember the disciples who had been following Jesus for about three and a half years, in fact. And, And one day during his ministry to them, he said, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you, coming back later. But the disciples, they they didn't listen to all the rest of that very well. They were so impacted by that that thought that he was going to leave them. It was almost more than they could bear. And they they began to panic. And they they said, Lord, don't leave us. We, We don't want you to leave us. There's comfort in your presence. And we don't want to lose that. And we'll talk about the solution to that a little bit later on. But there's comfort in the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul made a little statement over in the book of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 11. Let me read it to you. But before I read this verse of Scripture, let me tell you that Paul mentions in this book of Colossians a whole host of people that we never hear about. Oh, we hear about Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and Silas, and Barnabas, and Timothy, and and all of these great folks. But Paul starts naming off some folks like Archippus, Aparus, Aristarchus, names that aren't common at all. You probably never heard anybody preach about any of those. And when he makes this long list of people that we never heard of, Paul says about them, and look at this verse, 
These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. You know what Paul's saying? Paul is saying the everyday folks in church that serve the Lord, that fellowship with me and love me and pray for me, they're a comfort to me because they bring me into the presence of the Lord. I I sense the presence of Jesus in the lives of those people. And and the thing that really fascinates me about that verse of Scripture, many, many years ago when in our first pastorate, in fact, I was pastoring up, Faye and I were in Cherokee County, and I became real good friends with Dr. Rex Whidden, who's pastor of First Baptist Church in Canton, Georgia. And he was, he, was quite, uh, he was quite an expert on the languages of the Bible. And we were discussing this verse of Scripture one day, and he said, you know, Rich, the word comfort is an unusual word here because it, it, it doesn't come from the Greek. It actually comes from the Latin. And it's a medical term. And we both assume that Paul got this term from Dr. Luke, who was one of his traveling companions on many of his missionary journeys. And Dr. Whitten said to me, the word comfort is the same word that we get paragoric from. Anybody here old enough to remember when you used to go to the drugstore and get paragoric for a colicky baby? Anybody remember paragoric? A few hands. Most of you are just too young. (laughs) Bless your heart. This may be exaggeration, and it may not. I I think I drunk gallons of Paragoric when I was a child. (laughs) Had a lot of stomach issues. My mama always had Paragoric in the in the medicine cabinet, and 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 the the thing about Paragoric is, and literally the meaning of the word is to alleviate pain. And so when I had stomach problems as a child. The first thing mama do, give me a spoonful of paragoric. And it alleviates. Listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is saying these people in whom the spirit of Jesus Christ dwells, their presence alleviates my pain. Let me tell you something. There, there is a pain that all of us feel sometimes that no medicine can touch. Have you had that kind of pain? A pain deep down in your heart? Maybe it's something that happened in the family, a loss, or it could be a grieving. But it's a pain that medicine doesn't touch. But the presence of Jesus can alleviate that pain. Oh, I love the comfort of his presence. And then secondly, I love this, there is the promise of his presence. Oh, that brings comfort to me, the promise of his presence. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. Remember I was talking to you a while ago about the disciples that were so grieved because he was going away from them? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, John 14 and 18. I'm I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Wow. And he will comfort you just like I comfort you personally. You can have that comfort. 
Look what um, Paul said in Hebrews 13 and 5. He's quoting Jesus. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Isn't that wonderful? If you know the Lord, you have a promise that he will never leave you. His presence will abide with you on your good days and on your bad days. When you're up and when you're down, when you're in and when you're out, when you're rich or when you're poor, when things are going good or when things are going bad, he said, I'm going to stick with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Oh, the wonderful presence of Jesus and the promise that he's made to us. And finally, there is the provision of his presence. The provision of his presence. One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever you need. Isn't it comforting? If you know Jesus, he said, I will supply your need. God the Father has promised through Jesus Christ to supply every need. Thank God for his comfort today. Are you glad about comfort? Give him praise. Because of the holy child Jesus, we have that joy. Amen? Let me talk to you about the joy for just a moment. Think first of the substance of this joy. I take you back to the text that I shared with you a few minutes ago, Luke chapter 2. Let's just look at verses 10 and 11. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It wasn't just for those few shepherds. This message of joy is for everybody. For God so loved the world that whosoever, that includes everybody. Amen? Jesus belongs to the whole world. He's for all of us. Great joy to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. First of all, I want you to know that this joy that we're talking about today doesn't come from material things. Now, I know that happiness uh, can come about as a result of a gift sometime. How many of you guys, if your wife gives you a, a, a new rod and reel or a new hunting rifle or a, or a new camper or a, a Mercedes, <clears throat> that would make you happy, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, but the joy that we're talking about this morning, it, it doesn't come from material things. There's some things that material things just can't do. Um, joy does not come from ideal circumstances. Sure, you can be happy when everything's going your way, when everything's turning up roses, when when there are no problems, when you just got a raise at work. And, but this kind of joy you can have even when the circumstances are not good. Even when you're going through the difficult parts of life, that's when you really need joy, amen? Actually, this joy comes from the person of Jesus Christ. 
He can give you a joy that's unspeakable and that's full of glory. Secondly, I want us to look at the serenity of joy. This kind of joy brings with it a peace. It brings with it a calm assurance. Now, there are joy killers in the world. How many of you have run into some of those? I remember when I was a youth pastor, and I know that goes back a long time, right after Noah got off the ark, um, I was a youth pastor in Griffin, Georgia. And, and we, were, we were having this, this big event, and I thought, man, I, I just had a spur-of-the-moment thought one day. I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could have somebody that was, you know, kind of celebrity status. So I just, I picked up my phone and I called the governor of Georgia. <laughs> Took me a while to get him, but I stayed on the phone till I got him. And the governor of Georgia congratulated us on the event that we had. And he said, you know, I would love to be in church with you guys. Man, I was so excited. I went to church that Sunday morning and I told the congregation, I said, I talked to the governor of the state of Georgia and the governor of the state of Georgia said he would like to come and be in church with us. Right after church, some guy grabbed me and he said, that ain't nothing. I was in service last week with the president of the United States. (laughs) He just rained all over my parade. (laughs) <laughs> there are people like that. They're, they're joy killers. They just, they just love to catch you at that moment of delight and, and find a way to extinguish all of that excitement and that joy. Let me tell you, some of those joy killers that are out there, worry is one of those joy killers. Worry will kill your joy. Beware of worry. Fear is a joy killer. When you're afraid, it's hard to experience joy. Negative influences will kill your joy. Now, you know the people I'm talking about. There are people that the only way they can brighten a room is by leaving. <laughs> You've met them. They just, they hang black crepe everywhere they go. They just they darken the whole atmosphere. There are joy killers. But hey, let me tell you, just as there are joy killers, there are joy builders. And I thank the Lord for those. And I tell you, one of the greatest places in the world to get your joy built is right here in the Word of God. Let me give you a few quick examples. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Here's what the Lord says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. By the way, that's what you ought to do with that worry and that fear. You ought to just cast that on the Lord because he cares for you. He really does. He, and notice he used the little word all, all your cares, not just some. You can cast all your cares on the Lord. And the reason is because he really does care for you. Look at this one from Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. Therefore, do not worry. That's what Jesus said. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you wow wow do you see what the Lord is saying here he said quit worrying just cast your cares on the Lord and, and what he's talking about worrying about, he's talking about food, clothing, and shelter, the basic needs of mankind, the things that we all are concerned about. And Jesus said, you don't have to worry about those things. Your heavenly Father already knows that you need things, those things. But if you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God would see that these other things are taken care of in your life. Wow. Boy, that's a joy builder, isn't it? I love this one, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, and I like it from the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, make sure your neighbor hadn't gone to sleep. I want, if you miss everything else I say today, I want you to get this one, Okay. So will you help me out? Will you preach it for me? Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Amen. Wow. Not only the substance of joy and the serenity of joy, I want you to think about the strength of joy. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have not prepared, nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Wow. You see why it's so important that we have joy? Get away from the joy killers. Get a hold of the joy builders because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I, I, was, I was looking at just sharing with you the wonderful names about Jesus, and suddenly I remembered uh, old Dr. Lockridge, who's a great, great preacher of the past. And if you will forgive me this morning, I'm going to let Dr. Lockridge help me finish this part of my message today. Watch the screens. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Praise the Lord. Will you stand, please? Amen. Yes, give him praise today. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> That's what it's all about. He's our king. I want our prayer team to come. Any group leaders or council members that will help us in prayer today, staff. We want to give you an opportunity to pray before we go today. Wouldn't it be a shame for you to hear about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, for you to go through another Christmas season, everything reminding you of Christmas, lights and trees and decorations and music everywhere and go through the Christmas season and still not know the person who is the reason for the season. What a shame. And so I ask you the question that Dr. Lockridge asked over and over in this little presentation. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you're going to have that comfort, you got to know him. If you're going to have that joy, unspeakable and full of glory, you got to know him. He's the author of life.
I, I could go so far as to say this morning, if you really want to live, you got to know him. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is life. Do you know him? Do you know him? I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. My confidence this morning is not in a political election. Oh, I'm concerned about those things, and I feel like we have a responsibility to cast our votes and share our opinion. But my concern is for the eternal destiny of all of us. And none of us know when our time is going to come. In the last week, I've had to deal with the deaths of two people in their 50s. Now, when I was a boy, 50 sounded like old. But from where I am this morning, 50 sounds young. And it is young. You see, we don't know when we're going to be called to meet the Lord. It's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. It's important that you know Jesus. That's why God sent him, so that he could provide the acceptable sacrifice sufficient to take away our sins. And he's the gift of the world. All you have to do is receive him. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to, to step forward. Maybe, maybe you're new here today. Maybe this is your first time. We want to invite you to come and pray if you don't know Jesus. We won't embarrass you. We won't. All we want to do is just offer you an opportunity to open your heart to the Lord and say, Father, I receive the gift of your son Jesus. And I believe that what he did for me is sufficient for the salvation of my soul and to assure my eternal life. If you're unsaved today, I want to ask you to just step from where you are and come forward. Someone here will be glad to pray with you and for you. If you're away from God, you want to come home this morning, come on, come on. Come and renew your covenant vows with the Lord. If you have other needs, maybe you're sick in body or you have a family member or need in your job or whatever your needs may be, the altar's open. And I'm going to ask you to begin to move this way right now if you would like to pray. If you want somebody to pray with you for you, we have people here who would be glad to do that. But if you want to come and just find a place, just you and God, that's fine as well. But, but begin to move this way, if you will. Whatever your need might be, come. The next.